Welcome to Practical Theology, a podcast series by Battle Creek Friends Church. Our hope is that by listening, you feel equipped in your faith to speak out in confidence about what you believe and live it out. We're here to help you seek the Lord throughout your day. So here's your host, Bible teacher, father, husband, and guy who likes cookies, Leo Wilson. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Practical Theology. Today we talk about using a name. Last week we talked about bearing God's name and the role that that meant for us, what it meant to represent him. Today we talk about how we use his name and how he uses our name. During this year, it was really easy to be alone and isolated. And Jesus identifies with this. Three times he's recorded in scripture Jesus went into the wilderness, uh, Mark one thirty five, Mark 6.31, Matthew 14.3, times where he stood out being alone. And it's easy to think of things when we're alone that, hey, does God know I'm alone? Right? We feel the physical isolation. We can see that. But then I don't think that's as harmful as and saddening maybe as the idea of the solitude or isolation in a sense that some people experience when they feel abandoned. I think sometimes people don't realize, like they're like, they wonder if God knows that they're by themselves. Does anybody even know it? Would somebody miss me if I was gone? This identity. And even David felt this. In the Psalms, there's one Psalm where he says, as he's being pursued by Saul and he's in this isolation, he's like, God, wake up. Don't you know? You know, just wondering, why is this happening? He feels like if it can't happen like this, otherwise God would do something. God would intervene. Well, God does know and he does intervene. You're never alone, even if you feel like it. So the question really is, why do you feel like it? So other questions that come from this is, does God know who I am? Does he feel my needs, my fear, my desperation? If so, why do I feel like this? Why this isolation? Why this solitude? Why is it so depressing or hurting? Not everybody does that. Some people are able to deal with it better than others. But for some, this year is clearly people suffered from depression, from this isolation, from not being around people. So today we're going to discuss this idea of exchange of names because it does involve whether or not you see yourself as truly isolated, how names develop a sense of intimacy that doesn't make you feel alone, and how interaction, personal relationships, really mean a lot in our role and understanding of how our relationship works, both with God and him with us. So let's take some examples of people using names and, and just to start building this. How about a telemarketer? You ever been called on the phone and someone says, hey, Leo, yeah, this is Joe. Okay, I work for so-and-so a company and I want to sell you so-and-so this. And it's like, oh. I can tell you when I get that call, I feel like I've been taken advantage of. I kind of feel a little bit violated. You know, not like deeply, but like that somebody is trying to, um, well, I know what he's trying to do. By using their name, they're trying to take down a barrier saying, this is personal. It'll be harder to view me as just some telemarketer. Now you know my name. I, I get why they do it. They use your name and no one's ever even told it to them. You didn't give them permission to use it. Not that we give people permission, but you'll see here later why that you kind of do give people permission. How about when your son calls you dad? Um, there was one time when Alec was at a softball game and I was playing a church softball game and the people were rooting for him and they said, go Leo, go Leo. And Alec was, he caught on to it. So he's like, go Leo, go Leo. 
And everybody thought it was funny. But later on, he was like, hey, Leo. And I said, hey, Alec, I'm your dad. You need to call me daddy. He goes, well, the other people were calling you Leo. I'm like, they know me in a different way. I'm not their dad. And it was an interesting role definition by, by name. I'm not my father. I'm not my son's friend. Um, I do love him and I do act like a friend sometimes, but I am more importantly his father. That is a different role. My, my role isn't to make him always happy. My role is to raise him. God gave me my sons. I have a role to disciple them, to raise them up in the ways of God, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, the Shema, you know, to instill upon them values and virtues. So the role by calling me father, that name, is different than just calling me Leo. How about another one? Michelle, my wife, calling me um, husband, master. No, that's a joke. And she listens to these podcasts, so she'll probably just smile as she heard that. Like, that isn't going to happen anytime soon. Um, She calls me Leo. She calls me babe sometimes. But these names also show a level of intimacy and a level of role and respect. I don't expect my wife to call me master. You know, I, as a matter of fact, if she did, I, I would struggle with that because I would feel like maybe she thought she was lesser. I would feel like maybe that would try to establish something that's different in our relationship rather than we're partners in marriage, rather than as God created marriage, we are together as one, um, that it would cause something that wouldn't be godly and trying to define those roles differently. Yes, we have two different roles. I'm not saying that, but like, I don't know if I really feel great about the title of master um, coming from my wife. As a matter of fact, if that was ever said, I'd probably be suspicious that something bad was about to happen. Um, But anyway, names used can equal relationship significance. So all those examples are that. And also the way that we view God in this. For example, if I say Jesus is my homeboy, you know, I've heard some people say that, or Jesus is my friend, Jesus is the friend of sinner. These are all true in a sense. But do they take away from the transcendence? There's a transcendence imminence um, pendulum that swings back and forth, it seems like, over the years, where we see God as being here on earth and our friend, and, and he loves us, and he's our buddy. And then we neglect the idea that God is holy, above, transcendent, heavenly, um, you know, above us in stature and nature. And both of those are true, but either one of those in isolation would be unhealthy. So when we say his name, we, it's important that we have the proper view of who he is in its entirety. So we can have a partial view and be okay, but we should never stay with that partial view because that could be unhealthy. We need to grow and understand. We need to have a proper balance. The word, how important name is, the word Shem, the Hebrew word Shem, which is meant for name, is used over 900 times in the Old Testament. That, that shows you that identity is significant. The idea of using a name, specific, personal name, is significant in Scripture. Even with the idea of the name of the Lord. For example, let's take Psalm 148.5. All right? Psalm 148.5. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at his command they were created. Joel 2.26. You will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord, your God, who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Notice it's not praise the Lord. Notice it's not praise the Lord, but praise the name of the Lord. And that, that's, that's a personal thing. You want to make sure you're calling on him as a, a person, not as just this random deity. And this is in contrast to the ancient Near East, the cultures around Israel at the time, even the pagan cultures in Greece and Rome. Like these, these deities weren't personal. 
they were just these gods and, and it was like we didn't want to upset them. They don't know me and uh, I only know them by title and uh, it's not a personal relationship. I don't expect to know them personally. That would be a bad thing as a matter of fact in those cultures. So how about Genesis 12, 8? From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west and I on the east, there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Notice it's not call on the Lord, but call on the name of the Lord. So the conversation is personal. It is interesting there that he talks about building the altar to the Lord, but quickly afterwards, then he calls on the name of the Lord personally. So he's looking at like building a house and then calling on the name of the Lord. Even with the building, though, look at the idea of 1 Kings 3.2. The people, however, were still sacrificing at the high places because a temple had not yet been built for the name of the Lord. So even when building something, the idea of it being personal, like it's going to be for our personal God rather than these high places that were impersonal, just places of sacrifice. Psalm 116.4. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. Notice there the conversation calling on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. Is Prayer is personal as well. And, and that's a significant thing. That's where we want to start this conversation of, notice there's a way of using a person's name that's impersonal. And you don't want to get into that habit. You want it to be personal. And even in a, any conversation, like you don't want to talk at somebody, right? You want to be talking with somebody. Talking at someone, I think, is hardly ever effective. Talking at my children when they're doing something wrong, if they're not making eye contact or it's not personal, that doesn't help. We need to talk with them. We need to work through things with them. Talking with people, you know, as I disciple people. And, and we, we don't, at some point in time, if you lose personal contact, I don't know how beneficial that is. We always want to keep a relational conversation going, not just talking at somebody. The same thing with God. We want to make sure we never slip into that apathetic method of just going through the motions with saying his name in the prayer. This idea of the name, giving someone your name, means to have access to them. When, when God gives access to the people, with the I am passage, for example, he, I am, the I am passage, Exodus 3, 13 through 15, when he introduces himself to Moses and Israel, he's like, hey, tell them I am is coming. And this, this was intentional. This name is not coincidental. And it's like the introduction. It's the introduction to his people who have been you know, enslaved. He's coming. This is him. He is now going to have a personal relationship. And I am means I am present. I am the real deal. I am coming. And it's an introductory statement, right? It's, it's a, this isn't an impersonal God who hasn't heard your prayer. I have heard your prayer and I am, I am present now. Know this. And it's in the face of every other God that they are experiencing in Egypt. These gods that are impersonal, these gods that don't really exist. He's like, nope, I am. Simple statement, I am. Unlike any other God, I am real. That should speak to them. This God that's coming for them is personal to them, not, not oblivious to them, and that they can have a relationship with, they can start a relationship with. This would be a huge door of hope that they would be walking through. This personal introduction, this is significant. This is something common. I, I bet you know this instinctively. Um, I mentioned the telemarketers, the idea of them using your name, but uh, when I watch Jane Austen movies with my wife, I've noticed this trend, and I asked her about it one time. She, she likes this English tradition. One guy would butt in and say, hi, I'm this so-and-so, and this is so-and-so. Nice to meet you, Mr. So-and-so. And, and she's like, oh, no. And, and you could tell the people in the movie were acting like that was incredibly rude. I'm like, what's going on? She goes, oh, it's extremely rude to use someone's name if you have never been introduced to that person before. In order to, to be introduced, to, like to use someone's name to talk to them, you have to be introduced by someone else. They have to introduce you so you can have their name and use it. 
and that that kind of makes sense to me you know like the telemarketer thing it's like hey you introduced to this person now you have access to this person when god said i am to the israelites when people introduce it means you now have access to talk to that person japanese culture has a tradition with business cards um today if i go into a business meeting or whatever else we slide the cards across the table we introduce each other and shake hands but in japan it takes it much more serious when they give you a business card they they align it so that you can read it when they hand it to you when they hand it to you they grab it with both hands they have their thumbs on the corners and they they bow down and they hand it to you and this is all because it's very personal for them if they're giving you their name it is saying hey i am giving you permission to call on me i this is who i am I am giving you part of myself. You have access to me. It becomes very personal, very intentional. That intentionality, let's talk about that a little bit. In Acts 3.16, Peter says something, and it's after healing a person. I'm going to read the passage and, and see if you can see the, the part here where he's trying to show like it's there's there are relationship dynamics involved. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. See, Peter's not going to take any of the recognition for this healing. He definitely wants to give it to God. And he talks about it being through the name of Jesus and through a relationship. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him. So Jesus starts, or Peter starts to make this difference of like, hey, it's not just the name. It's not an incantation. It's something more personal. It's also through a relationship. It's also through faith. When you start to know somebody, you start to place faith in them, possibly. You start to give them credit. You start to give them opportunity to speak into your life. And we want to acknowledge that name, not just in in word, but in, in personal mentality. Even Christ says this in, in the prayer, in Matthew's prayer. He says, hey, Father that art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name is an idea of it. It should be high reverence, a term of respect, significance. And before any more of the prayer goes on, the first thing you should do is acknowledge not just that the, the, his name, but like, remember who he is. Remember who you're calling on, our redeemer, our savior, our provider of all the things that are there, right? The, the idea that he is gives us peace. This whole relationship aspect of who God is Remember, every conversation, every time you sit down personally, who you're talking to. And then Jesus also gives the flip side of this. Like, if you don't, don't make this error. And he says this in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. That repetition of Lord, Lord, that's significant. That's not normal. It's an emphasis. But notice it's like, hey, didn't we say Lord, Lord, not in the name of the Lord, but as position. So they're referring to like, God, didn't we do these things in your name? There's one commentary I have that just specializes in language. And it, it makes these different, I'll just throw out some of these different ways of saying this that they're interpreting, right? It is not sufficient to say to me, Lord, Lord. One way that reflects it is to say, it won't be, Everyone who constantly says I am his Lord or who is constantly acknowledging me as his Lord. Another way is it is not enough to always be saying I am Lord. See, not all those ways of just saying his name or even repeating his name make it relational. As a matter of fact, referring to the position is more of what they're doing here, which is impersonal. It's just saying, yeah, but I did all these things in your name. It's like, 
Yeah, you did, but none of those were relational. And that's the same reason why we always have to remember that our acts, our, our deeds, do not earn us salvation. Now, they help us in faith. They also help us build a relationship. When we put our faith in somebody, when we give actions towards somebody, when we trust what they're saying, we start to build a relationship with them. We do this in marriage. We do this in friendships where we start to place faith in one another and we start to build. Now, our faith should always be in God, but it is easy to misplace it and say, well, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this? And I did this in your name. And it's like, those were all things, but you never talked to me. It was all just like impersonal. We are not saved by impersonal things. We are saved by a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So look at these verses here. We've, we've talked about the name of the Lord. Let's just transition a little bit into this idea of what about our name? So Exodus 33, 12 through 13, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. There Moses says, God, you've said I'm your name. He says, I know you by name. He's quoting what God has said. I know you by name. So Moses gets the impression and knows that God knows him personally, not just as one of my millions of Israelites, but as Moses. It's more intimate. Isaiah 43.1, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. So even if it's a group or an individual, God is saying, I know you by name. I know you personally. Not just I know you as this nation or this boundary or this person or this human being or this bag of flesh, but I know you personally. He goes even further in, in Revelation when Jesus is talking. He says, The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Wow, not only will Jesus acknowledge your name and write it down, but when he's in front of his Father, he will sit there and say, Hey, I know Leo. Leo's with me. That personal relationship. It's not, notice what he doesn't say there. He doesn't say, Look at all these things that Leo did. He says, I know Leo. I will acknowledge your name. How about Revelation 2.17? Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. Now that is deeply personal. That is a deeply personal indication. And if you don't, if, if you don't see the significance of it, there's one example I can think of in life that shows you that deep intimacy. When I was younger and I was in trouble, I heard this. Leo J. Wilson, get your butt over here. No one calls me by my middle name. Goodness, few people know my middle name. My mom does. She named me, her and my dad. They both know it. Deeply intimate name. Only, I think, I can't think of anybody else who said my middle name other than my mom. My parent, my mom um, does that. My wife does it to my children when she's upset. Um, usually it's always when we're trying to correct them and get them into a proper alignment. But nonetheless, we do that resting on the fact of like, oh, she's speaking to me personally. Like she's trying to get my attention. It's very personal. Yeah. Your name on the white stone that only you know and God knows is very personal. Deeply intimate. So here's my prayer. 
I pray that you know that God knows you personally and that you continue to grow to know him more personally, deeply, and that it changes the way you live so you can go and live it out.